Hello and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. It is Thursday. We are closing in on this Sunday's game against the Minnesota Vikings. And on Wednesday, we heard from the Seahawks about their reflections on the Titans game, as well as a few comments about what they make of their upcoming opponents, the Vikings. Let's start with Seahawks linebacker Bobby Wagner, who spoke about the coverage adjustments the Seahawks made in the second half against Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a combination between a lot of things, so that definitely played a part. Obviously, Julio was, um, you know, catching the ball, and so, um, you know, we wanted to be conscious of that. And, um, you know, even, um, you know, a couple of other receivers had, you know, some open passes that they ended up dropping. So, you know, you just want to be mindful of it. The biggest consequence of these coverage changes was that the Titans were able to find open receivers underneath. I don't, I don't think it was a coverage problem. I think it was just, um, you know, he was taking advantage of what was available. You know, I think we were, you know, obviously we were trying to get the ball down the field. And so we were playing a little bit deeper, um, you know, realizing what they were trying to do. And he was just checking it down to the run back over the ball and we were rallying as fast as we could. But sometimes that's just, a, um, you know, a weakness in the defense where there's everybody has responsibilities dropping. And um, you would think that, you know, you just give it, give the ball to the, the shorter route and rally up and tackle it. Looking ahead to the Vikings game, Wagner spoke about the matchup with Dalvin Cook in comparison to the matchup with Derrick Henry. You know, they, they run a very similar scheme um, than, they, than the Titans did. I think the, the biggest thing, he's, he's obviously a little more quicker, um, still hits the holes. They still, um, you know, they give him the rock a lot, and he, he is very fast. So, you know, if you're not in your gap, you're not gas sound. Um, it's kind of different, you know, Derrick Henry, he might run through or he might, you know, run you over whatever. But, you know, if you blink, he might be through that hole. And so we have to be very uh, gap sound. We have to know when they're going to give him the ball and, you know, understand he's the, the guy that kind of gets everything going. You know, once they establish that run game, it opens up their playbook. So, you know, if we can stop that, then we can stop a, a big portion of their playbook. And, you know, I'm a sucker for a thigh arms Al Woods quote. So wrapping up his press conference, here's what Wagner had to say about Al Woods, who was one of the Seahawks' bright spots on the defense on Sunday. Man, he's just been a force up the middle. Um, you know, definitely a guy like myself, I notice it, you know, when I'm you know, running free and able to, to, to make those tackles. A lot of it is because of uh, the work that the D-line is doing up front to make sure that I'm, I'm free and I'm able to, uh, to move. So he's definitely a guy that um, I'm extremely happy to have back. Um, he always asked me after the play, like, did the center get to you? Like, what can I do better? And so, you know, you, you love having guys like that. And, you know, Christmas will be good for him. Seahawks defensive coordinator Ken Norton Jr. also had something to say about Woods. He said Seattle had high expectations for the 34-year-old this year, despite his age. We have high expectations for Al. That's why we wanted him back. He's a, he's a big force. Uh, he's a leader. Um, he's uh, a guy that everybody looks to. And he's a really good football player. Uh, so certainly uh, we have really high expectations for him to be here. Norton also talked about what is most difficult when preparing for a game against this Minnesota team. They're pretty good. I think uh, the, the skilled players, the quarterback, the running back, very similar to the team we just played. Uh, they throw the ball well. Uh, the quarterback is really good in his reads. He, he gets rid of the ball really quick. Um, they... Um, they score a lot of points, and uh, he throws for a lot of yards. So we have a, a big challenge ahead, ahead of us. 
Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll also spoke to the media in Wednesday's press conference. Here's what he had to say about what Alton Robinson can do to get more playing time after having a strip sack against Tennessee. Yeah, he's, he's had really, really good plays so far. We just need more. We just need more. I, if anybody's clamoring for that, me too. You know, he, he, he needs to be out there more. And we've got a big rotation. And so it's, like I, I said to you a while back, it's, it's going to take us a little while to get it all sorted out where we can, you know, maximize it. But he's, he's been really, uh, really effective. And he's, he hasn't done anything other than that so far, really. It's, he's, just, he's just a pup and he's coming up and, and uh, we're really excited about what he's doing. Pete also touched on DK Metcalf's tendency just two games in to get into scuffles with opponents this year. No, he's just finding he's finding out he's finding out you know kind of the uh, the, the boundaries to, to play within. You know he, he's so physical that it, it you know he's he finds himself in those situations where he's you know kind of overwhelming the guy at times, and, and so he just needs to know that how the officials are calling it and when to when to you know, take your hands up and and, and all that. And um, I'm okay about what he's trying to do. He's battling and he's competing like crazy. But we have to do it within the guidelines, and so that's that's really important. It's kind of that messaging is important for our whole club after last week. You know, we had a lot of a lot of things happen that we didn't need to have happen. Stuff that happened after the play was, you know, finished, and and, uh, and we we gave away a ton of yards and situations that we have to do better at. And he was he was part of that. Continuing on that theme of DK Metcalf's aggression, here's what Tyler Lockett had to say. I trust DK. You know, I think everybody trusts DK. And so for me, like, I, I let DK play his game. Um, whatever he needs to do to be able to make sure that he's going to be at his best, I'm cool with it, you know, because when we get into the game, I'm not worried about him on the other side. You know, I'm not worried about him if we're on the same side. I know what he brings to the table. I know what he's going to do. I already know that he's going to get right, and it's because I see it every day at practice. Um, kind of like y'all was hearing Bobby say, I just think the biggest thing is, you get excited about the game and you want to go out there. And I mean, we had no fans last year. Now we got fans and everybody's happy and everybody's excited and the momentum is going and, you know, the juices are flowing and you just want to talk and you just want to, you know, all that different type of stuff. But I mean, when it comes down to it, man, I know, I know that DK got us. Coming up next, we have more from Lockett talking about his performance from the season through two weeks and really what he believes has changed and and what's made the difference to be able to allow him to play at this high level through the first two weeks. That's up next. Before the break, we heard from Tyler talking about DK Metcalf and now speaking about himself. Lockett shared what is different about this season from seasons past. Lockett is currently second in the NFL in both yards and touchdowns, with 278 receiving yards and three TDs. He implied that the change in offensive coordinator has made an impact on allowing him to be at his best. I feel like the only thing that's different is like, everybody's trying to start talking about me. And I just want to kind of like chill and not be in front of the camera. And I just want to kind of, you know, do me. I mean, but I mean, as far as offense, I mean, when you get different coordinators coming in, the schemes change. Plays look a little different. The roles that they give you look a little different. And, you know, like for me, I feel like I'm back at how I was at K-State. When you go to a different, when you go to a certain team coming into the league, you don't know what type of philosophy a team has. You don't know what type of route running they want you to do. So there's a lot of stuff that like people, fans, coaches, whoever don't see 
that players have because that player has to be able to put it on the side because he has to be able to do what the team wants him to do. So there's a lot of stuff that when you watch players play, you see some players, they're able to to tell a story in their routes. They're able to add a whole bunch of stuff in their routes. They're able to move around, kind of able to do whatever they want to do. Can't do that with a lot of teams. And so that's why it's like easy for certain people to have success because they got the freedom to run the routes the way that they want. And there's other times based off of the teams that you play, you got to get to a certain spot. Can't do all that moving around. Can't be dancing at the line of scrimmage. So it really varies about what it is that the coach brings and what philosophy does he bring and what does he let his receivers do and what doesn't he let his receivers do. And, you know, for me, I just felt like, you know, I've been given a little more freedom to be able to do a lot of the stuff that I did back in college. And, you know, I've, I haven't had that freedom like I used to. And so now I'm just more comfortable and being able to do the stuff that I used to do because that's how I always played. I just had to change my game up when I came here because it didn't fit how we did certain stuff, but I learned how to play to where it fit of what we did. Lockett also spoke candidly about his struggles with anxiety and had some really interesting insight on how he approaches life. I still deal with it, but Honestly, I think that's the best thing that happened to me in my life because it made me go deeper and it made me ask the questions that I probably would have never had to ask, you know, and for me, I I just want to be happy. I want to live my life, all that different type of stuff. But I also understand I'm not obligated to do anything for anyone. And so now I started being able to change the way that I see things in life. Anything that I do for anybody, it's a choice. And I appreciate it for what it is. The things that I go through, I choose to use those as lessons. The the mistakes that I make, I don't beat myself up anymore because I'm trying to be perfect. I just try to learn through it so I can figure out how to be my best self. I've learned how to give myself way more grace than I've ever given myself before. Because I want to see people win and I'll help people no matter what they go through. But with me, I beat myself up and all that type of stuff. But like I stopped worrying about how people view me or at least I'm trying to stop worrying about how people view me based off of my mistakes or based off of my decision makings or based off of my successes or based off of the way that I play. Because sometimes I get so caught up in like, what if I don't play the way that other people see me as playing? You know, I got paid however much. A lot of people know how much I got paid more than I care. And so it's like, what if I'm not playing up to that? Am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be doing that? Like, it's hard, you know? But for me, I just, I play so much more, like, relaxed when I just go play for God and I find something that means more to me than all this stuff that means more to everybody else. And for that, it's my family, it's my friends, it's my city. And being able to hear people in my city talk about how happy they are for me, how proud they are for me, how I'm trying to be able to bring more exposure to the people things, events that took place, you know, back in the day before me or after me, that means more to me than any of the successes that I can have here. Finally, there's been a lot of criticism about the new taunting rule just around the NFL this past week and and even going into last week. So this entire season, essentially, let's hear what Tyler Lockett and Bobby Wagner had to say about the emphasis on this taunting rule for NFL referees. Honestly, the taunting rule, I don't know. I honestly don't really have a lot of words for it. It's funny because I'm sitting here watching college and I get to see them talking trash and looking at people's face and doing the incomplete, 
watched some type of clip where a dude was talking trash and then on the next play, the other dude scored and then he started talking trash to him. And it's just like, dang, we can't even do that anymore. And these are people in college that's about to go to the league. You know, like we're not the ones in college, but we're the ones that have a whole bunch of rules that we got to be able to follow. So, I mean, it's it's tough. You know, it's hard. I can only imagine what the playoffs is going to look like. And if that, what the Super Bowl is going to look like, you know, because you're talking about emotions. You talk about the juices flowing. Some people have never been to the Super Bowl. So you're going to tell them how not, you know, what not to do. A lot of people hadn't never played in the Super Bowl and they're making rules. You know, I just think it's hard because, you know, as professional athletes, like this is what we do. You don't let people get in your head. People talk to get in your head. You know what I mean? And that's just a different aspect of the game. You learn how not to let people get in your head. And if they do, you better know how to play because they're going to be coming for you every single time. It's almost like, you know, we got to play football quiet. You got to be conscious of it because it is a thing. But at the same time, it's like, how do you control, how do you control um, emotion? You know what I mean? How you control that type of emotion, especially like that's part of the game. It's always been part of the game. That's what, in my opinion, attracts people to the game is you know, that moment, like even when you say, uh, you know, Reese plays, you know, it's in the fourth quarter. It's a big moment. He makes a great play and it's not even anything that was that big. Um, and, and I've watched that done plenty of times. So I think the biggest thing is the consistency of that call, because I watched a game where somebody did that and they didn't say anything. And I watched another game where they did something even less than that. And, um, you know, I watched a game where a dude like, dragged like five defenders and then he flexed by himself like he wasn't even talking to anybody and they flagged him and so you can't take um, a, a, a game full of emotion and passion you can't take that away from the game and so um, maybe we have to just turn away from the guy and not look at him but the passion is going to come out if you love what you do you're going to have passion for it so you know I, I it's, it'll be very hard for somebody to make a play and not feel good about that play um, if they love what they do. So um, it's an adjustment. Um, I think it won't be something that's here for a long time, in my opinion. Um, so we'll see. In injury news, Brandon Shell has not practiced so far this week due to his sprained ankle. Pete Carroll implied that Jamarco Jones will get the start if Shell isn't healthy by the weekend. Carroll also said that Rashad Penny won't play this week and D. Eskridge was still absent from practice on Wednesday due to his concussion. And that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks to Wilson Kahn for helping to produce this episode. You can follow him on Twitter at Wilson underscore Kahn, C-O-N-N. If you're looking for something to read this morning, head on over to fieldgoals.com. Wilson has the article previewing the Seahawks-Vikings matchup. And one interesting thing is just how many times Dalvin Cook had to hobble off the field after J.J. Watt fell on his ankle in that game against the Arizona Cardinals. Dalvin Cook, sounds like they're going to continue to play him. They continued to play him after he hurt his ankle against Watt. He didn't look as effective as he was in the first half of that game between the Cardinals and Vikings. So we'll see how he comes through the week on the injury front. If you haven't yet subscribed to this show, you can go to SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts. Go to fieldgoals.com, click on the podcast button there. Subscribe and get it in your podcast feed every single episode as soon as it's released. And coming up next, we are going to be talking what if with Phil Lydic and Clinton Bonner and myself. And we're going to be previewing this upcoming game against the Vikings. So stick around for that. 
And until next time, go Hawks. 